This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.36 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jensen. Now in half an hour, we have the breakfast grill. And to mark the International Day of Women and Girls in Science, which falls tomorrow, February 11th, I'll be speaking to Dr. Nur Aisha Maidin Abdul Aziz, a neurobiologist and spina bifida patient rights advocate. Uh, I'll be speaking to her today to talk about the hurdles she faced to be recognized as a scientist. Um, as well as her policy recommendations on how to improve uh, the enforcement of rights for the disabled community. You know, so that's coming up after the 7.30 a.m. news bulletin. But uh, let's shift our attention to the global state of democracy. Every year, the Economist Intelligent Unit's in Democracy Index classifies 165 independent states and two territories worldwide under four types of regimes. They are full democracies, flawed democracies, hybrid regimes, and authoritarian regimes. And in 2022, the number of countries in the full democracy category increased from 21 last year to 24 as Chile, France and Spain rejoined the top ranks, with around 45% of the world's population live in a democracy of some sort, including Malaysia and the US. However, it is worth noting that more than one-third of the world's population also live under authoritarian rule, with a large portion from Russia and China. And Russia continued on its trajectory away from democracy, with the largest decline in score this year. So how has the war in Ukraine shifted the world's perception on democracy, and is the world hitting actually in the right direction. For some insights from this year's index, we speak to Saitan Hansakul, analyst at the Economist Intelligence Unit, or EIU. Saitan, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Now, before we get into the findings of this year's report, uh, maybe you can just walk us through uh, briefly, how is democracy measured for the purposes of this index? Yes, we have uh, a model that assess each country according to five pillars. And then there are scores, uh, questions that we um, answer according to each pillars. And then the scores are combined average to arrive at the final rating or the final score that determines uh, what type of democracy it is. And, and uh, yes, the, I can tell you a little bit what are the pillars. Oh, please um, do, yes. Yes, okay. Um, the, the pillars are electoral process and plurality. Plural, pluralism. Um, the second one is functioning of government. Third one is political participation. Fourth is political culture. And the last one, the fifth one is civil liberties. So according to the different questions under different these different categories, we, we answer them, assess them, assign the scores and then combine them. And uh, Saitan, the latest uh, Democracy Index, the positive and negative score changes globally cancel each other out while more than one third of the world's population live under authoritarian rule. Why is the state of global democracy remains stagnant? Well, uh, unfortunately, you're right. It, it remained stagnant last year. And um, this is because the, the improvement in scores from the lifting of uh, the COVID restrictions, uh, which improve civil liberties, have been negated uh, by the, the um, deterioration in, in other categories. 
Um, in most regions, the, the scores are quite um, similar as the year before. Only Western Europe actually saw a clear improvement. Um, in Asia, it was stable. And in North America, Eastern Europe, um, Middle um, and Latin America, we saw, uh, uh, sorry, in, in, in uh, North America and Eastern Europe, we saw a slight improvement, not much at all, minimal. But in Middle East and North Africa and Latin America, actually, there were declines. Okay, last year, many countries lifted pandemic-related restrictions. But did that translate into a restoration of democracy and freedom? Because prior to that, there were restrictions placed on the movement of individuals, right? Yes. In, in some countries, yes, that was the case. There was a return to the normal state of democracy and freedom that existed before. But in others, unfortunately not. There was a rollback, for example, in media freedom or, or the right of peaceful assembly in countries like Russia. And in Asia, in, in Cambodia, for example, we saw a, a more restriction on trade union activities and a you know, on political participation of citizens in, in, in the right to protest. Saitan, walk us through what happened to, I mean, how, why Russia saw the biggest decline of any country. Um, I mean, does this, the fact that it's uh, currently in the middle of uh, a war in Ukraine, does that negate any possibility for democracy to be present at a time of um, a regime that's also waging war abroad? Yes, you're right. Um, in, in Russia, we saw a, a big decline in, in the many um, areas or pillars of that support democracy that I mentioned before. And the space for, um, you know, democratic rights are, is, is definitely getting smaller in Russia. That's what we observed. But if it's any silver lining, we, we still uh, find that Russian citizens still have some degree of political participation and civil liberties. It, it hasn't all been taken away. So that's that's something that we hope that they can preserve or, or even increase. But it's going to be difficult if, if the country continues to be in a war um, you know, situation. Ukraine is one democracy that has suffered the most from Russian interference and the war. Has the war in Ukraine set the country back in their path towards a better democracy? Well, it's um, it's it's a mixed bag. Um, to begin with, sovereignty is is the basis for self determination. Without sovereignty, you you cannot um, determine your own future. So it's it's right to determine its own future is now um, curtailed by the war. But beyond the war, let's say that when the war finishes, um, we can foresee that the functioning of government will be challenging. The war has definitely set it back. And in terms of political culture and liberties, it, it may be difficult to restore because um, you know, security will be of paramount importance, and uh, that might, um, you know, be prioritized above everything else. But having said that, the people of Ukraine have demonstrated their courage uh, beyond um, what, um, you know, the world would expect it to. Despite the war and a very difficult situation the country is facing, the, the spirit of political participation is still very, very strong, and that's very impressive and insp inspiring. Okay, Saitan, let's take a step back, right? Why does the EIU want to do this 
uh, you know, study every year? And why is it so important for countries to actually move towards a full democracy? What's the benefit for its citizens when, you know, it gets to enjoy a full democracy model? Um, in for, for, for the economist group uh, at, at EIU itself, we, we believe that um, personal freedom and the right to uh, express your belief and and the, the you know the human rights in general should be should be celebrated and protected and we think that um, in 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 a full democracy um, that is some something that will protect those rights and it's um, something that it's a universal value that we think should be promoted and celebrated so we we do this survey to. Um, do a reality check on the state of things and, and encourage um, the movement toward um, respecting of human rights and political rights and the rights for self-determination. Saitan, could you talk to us a little bit about one of the trends highlighted in the report, which was the threat of non-state actors um, to a, a democratic nation? Yes. Um, <clears throat> there are, <clears throat> excuse me. There, you know, I, I think in particular, we were referring to um, events that transcend national border or sovereignty. So generally, it has to do with technology or cyber risks, mm. which can happen um, across border and has no respect for sovereignty. And this can actually um, create a dilemma for state, for example, <clears throat> the, the data protection. Um, the, some state may not um, want to have uh, or cede the control over the, the data of its citizen to a non-state actor, which can be a technology company or it can be a hacker or, um, you know, um, other uh, other organizations. So that that is something that um, can can be a, a, a source of conflict um, in terms of the idea of sovereignty and the risk of non-state player that can disrupt that area. And Saitan, focusing on Malaysia now, the index lists the country with a flawed democracy regime with a continuous improvement in our score every year. How do we stack up against the peers in the region and what can be done to improve this score? Malaysia actually ranks the highest in ASEAN and within all the Asia and Australasia region that we rate, Malaysia ranks six out of the 28 countries that we rate in this region. So it's it's actually not, not bad at all. And the ranking is um, on, you know, not, not that far from level eight, which is the threshold for full democracy. And its ranking is higher than country like um, India and, you know, for ASEAN peers like Philippines, Indonesia, and Thailand. So from that perspective, it... Uh, it, it's one of the higher ranking um, countries in Asia. And the area that Malaysia scores high is electoral process and plural, pluralism. And functioning of government and uh, political participations are also um, on the you know, re relatively high. Mm. But the areas where the scores have room for improvement are political culture and civil liberties. And this means that um, money politics, relationship politics, and nepotism remain a problem for Malaysia. Um, and the, the person, uh, personal freedom to choose one's way of life is also somewhat uh, 
more limited compared to the other countries in the region. And that explains Malaysia score. All right, Saitan, thank you very much for sharing insights from the Democracy Index. That was Saitan Hansakul, analyst at the Economist Intelligence Unit, uh, giving us what the state of global democracy is at the moment. And some interesting rev- uh, revelations about Malaysia. We rank high in ASEAN, the best actually. Uh, but there's always room for improvement, right? So when it comes to political culture, uh, whether we could have less nepotism, less money politics involved and have more personal liberties. 7.48 in the morning. We are heading into some messages. And when we come back, will it be sunny skies for the solar sector in Malaysia? Not this morning, but uh, what's ahead? Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.